when you go to launch a new product or service, you're basically starting back at square one. Now, hopefully you're launching it to the existing customer base and it's going to be a lot easier because you have customers paying you and you can get research from them, but you can't skip over those steps. And I find so many entrepreneurs doing that when they, they have success with the first product and then their second product just flops because they got disconnected from their customer and they didn't stay in touch. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal of what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right, where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. This is episode 49, and I can't wait to get started today. You see, the thing is, so often when we set up on our entrepreneurial journey, we do so with the intention of sacking the boss and creating real freedom in our lives. And back in episode 33, if you listen to that one, I was talking about dealing with burnout. And as it turns out, it's been one of the most popular episodes so far. A lot of people have sort of reached out to me and said how much they connected with that. If that still resonates with you, today's, I think, is going to be something that's going to really help you because maybe you fell out of love with your business or maybe you just need to get back on track or maybe you're just at the beginning of the journey and you really want to crack this. You see, the thing is, one of the things that we often find when we sound on our entrepreneurial journey is that we do so with the intention to sack the boss and go out and create our own freedom, put ourselves as CEO of our business. And very quickly, what we find is that, yes, we've got rid of our old boss. We're calling the shots now. But what we tend to find is that instead of having the old boss, we've got lots of bosses because each of our customers and each of our clients are demanding lots of different things from us. And very soon, when you start getting busy and you start creating some business, then it feels like you're running around. And you know that could be a real headache. And a lot of people you know, commented to me, and it's something I've felt myself, is that sometimes it can feel like that freedom that you set out to, to achieve is very elusive, and all you've ended up doing is working for lots of different people, and you're working very hard. You're working way harder than, you know, you ever did working with somebody else. So today is really about getting on top of that, and I am so excited today to introduce you to co-founder of Lifestyle Builders, which is a coaching and training company, and they help entrepreneurs build their business to create more impact with their customers and more freedom in their lives. Tom Sylvester, together with his wife, Ariana, doesn't just teach entrepreneurship. This is what I love about him, is that he lives it. He has three successful businesses, Lifestyle Business being one of them, and he's also got a business around real estate investment. That's uh, property, if you're in the UK with me. He's also got a brick and mortar wine and liquor store. So different types of businesses. And, you know, it's great that one thing that I like about him is that he's a family man, two gorgeous kiddies, a lovely wife. And uh, his background is that he's worked with Fortune 500 companies. It really is my pleasure to introduce you today to Tom Sylvester. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Oh, that was a great intro. Thanks so much. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, listen, I, I really want to get into this today because this is all about how you create real freedom as an entrepreneur. It can be so elusive at times. Look, just between me and you here, pretend nobody else is here. Is it really possible to get financial freedom? And what the hell do we mean by it? <laughs> so first off, the answer is yes, it is. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 
And, you know, when, when we work with entrepreneurs and we ask, you know, one of the first questions we ask is, you know, well, why are you doing this? What is it that you want to achieve? And usually they'll start telling us about all their business goals. And we're like, well, no, no, no. Like, what do you want your life to look like? And far too often we kind of get that like deer in the headlights where people know they want freedom or they know they want more out of life, but they really don't know what that is. And so we take them through a handful of activities to help them figure out, you know, what do you want that future life to look like? And, you know, there's four main areas that we usually talk to them about, you know, what things do you want? What experiences do you want? What relationships do you want? And what impact do you want? And what we found is that what everyone wants fits in one of those four buckets. And at the end of the day, we've seen so many different people kind of identify what their ideal life is. What it comes down to is to do what you want, like the ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. And, and that's what it comes down to. So yes, you can achieve it. In order to get there though, you're really going to have to one, commit and two, be willing to grow because this is not an easy path. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So there's four things there. What things you want, what experiences you want, and you said what relationships you want and what impact you want. So that's really good. I must admit, it's not something that I used to think about very much as, as I've got involved in the personal development journey more and more over the years and through my practice of coaching, I've, I've become more familiar with this. But it seems to me that most of us, I mean, you know, I've only learned some of this because of my coaching journey, but most of us never think about what we want in life. We just want more money. We just want to be able to have the things that we want, but we never really define what those things are. Mostly it's about things that we want. And the one that you mentioned last, the impact, I wonder if many people ever really think about that. Yeah, you know, what we find is that most of us, you know, start out, you know, we go to college or, you know, we're working a job. And something happens and we realize that this isn't the path we wanted to be on, but it's that traditional path of, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, work a job for 45 years, and then retire, hopefully saving enough money over that time to enjoy life. And so, you know, what we found was that that's not really the path that a lot of us want to be on. We know we want something different, but we don't really know what that is. And so when people say that, you know, they're doing this for money, Usually what they're saying is, I just want to make enough money to pay my bills and cover my family. And usually what they first start talking about is like, well, you know, and I want this house or I want this car or I want to be able to take my family on vacations. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. But what we find is people go from this mentality of like survive mode where it's like, I just need enough to take care of myself. And you're going to get to a point, everyone's got a different point, but you get to that point where it's like, okay, more money isn't necessarily going to improve my life at all. And a lot of us entrepreneurs get stuck there and we're like, okay, I thought I was going to be happier when I had the success and had more money, but it's not really there. And that's where we find people really focus on the relationships that they have in their lives. And then the impact, which is giving back to other people and helping to make other people's lives better. And so we see people go from this mode of like surviving and just taking care of themselves to thriving and saying, how can I help more people? Hmm. Yeah. And I, I like the whole notion of it, but how do you get out of this, this trap of feeling that I've just got to get through this month. I've just got to, I've just got to make enough money so that I can. And, and then maybe down the road, then I'll be able to focus on some of those bigger things, those bigger life goals. But right now it feels like, you know, I'm jumping so many different things. 
how can freedom be possible when we're stuck in everything that there is to do right now? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where a lot of people get stuck and they, they almost become a non-starter because they, they see what they want as being so far away and they don't know the first step to take. So one of the first things we have people do is basically take an audit of kind of what their life looks like now, right? So like how much money are you bringing in? Um, what are your monthly expenses? You know, if you have debt, how much debt do you have? And where is your time being spent? Like how much time are you spending a week in these different areas? So when people take a look at the financial piece of their life and then um, the time piece of their life, we usually can then help them find space to be able to create a new life and start the step on that vision. So in a lot of cases, like, I mean, we, and you know, by the way, we didn't do all this right. Like we got into over $220,000 worth of debt very early on. And so we were right there with you. Like we're barely paying for like our rent and you know, we got all this credit card debt racking up. So we had to grind through this. But what we did was we reduced our expenses. You know, we picked up some extra side work and ultimately started paying down some of that debt, investing our time into businesses that made us more money. And then was able to escalate that path later on. But early on, it was just doing whatever we could to give us a little bit of extra space in terms of time and money. Yeah, yeah, sure. I like that little exercise there about like doing a life audit. Is that something that you do and just say, write down what you think it is or do you actually when you do that with your clients do you do you actually get them to go out and work it out properly yeah and that's it's it's funny so um so we've got a book coming out this year and it was funny i was explaining what the book is to one of our our entrepreneur friends and he was at first like struggling and he's like tom nobody's gonna read this if they're an entrepreneur because the whole first section it's about figuring out what you want out of life and then what, who you have to be and what you have to do in order to make it happen. The whole second section is all about creating that space and looking for where your time and money goes. We don't even talk about business until the third section. So what we take everybody through is really having them ask these questions, fill out these worksheets so that they know very clearly, here's how much money's coming in, here much, here's how much is going out. And from a time perspective, we actually have them track their time for an entire week. And then afterwards, they go back and analyze that and basically say, all right, where is my time going? And am I spending time in alignment with the life that I want to achieve? More often than not, if we haven't achieved that life yet, it's because we're not investing our resources in the right areas and doing the right things to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was running a mastermind a few months ago that sort of, you know, comes to mind really because we did a similar exercise around almost a time motion study, looking at, you know, where you're spending your time and are you working on the things that create the biggest impact? So it's kind of similar, but with a different slant to yours. But um, what we found universally throughout when we looked at what people were doing is that they were really surprised in actually how little they spent the time doing things that would create the biggest impact, that create the space for them to have the life that they wanted. And they knew that they were wasting a lot of time. You know, I, I'm the same. I, like, you know, I procrastinate. I put things off. I make the wrong choices. And, you know, and I know better but actually, it's the application that's always the hardest thing. It's, it's one thing knowing it, it's the second thing doing it. One thing that surprised all of us is that when we looked at what we were doing, it was considerably worse than we thought. Mm-hmm. And that's funny. Like, we used to just have people write down where they spent their time. And then when we started having them actually track it, there was a night and day difference because what we think we're spending our time on and the actual is usually very different. Um, yeah. But you bring up a really good point there because even with with business owners that are maybe uh, starting their business or they've had some success, what we often find is that 
they're doing a lot of things. They're very busy. But when you do that like time in motion study or that time audit, what you find is that there's a handful of things that really drive the business forward and what you as the entrepreneur do best. And there's a whole bunch of things that don't directly drive the business forward or you're not the best person to do. But oftentimes entrepreneurs let all those other activities pull them away from where they provide the most value. And so by doing that, that's where we end up getting stuck. We run out of time and we actually limit how big we can grow a business because we're getting sucked up into all this stuff that really doesn't matter. That's pulling us away from the stuff that does matter and the stuff we can add the most value on. Mm. It's sometimes difficult to tell which are the things that don't really matter because particularly, and we were talking just before we we come on the call here, is that when you get business going, you very quickly run out of time and a lot of people make a lot of demands on you. And so what you tend to find is that those people who make demands is that they bring up the urgency and the necessity of you know, what they need to do. And of course, everything they say to you is absolutely urgent and they need it then. And, and you buy into that. I buy into that, you know, because I, I care about the people I work with. And, and so therefore it becomes my priority. Their priority becomes my priority. And somewhere down the line, we lose track of what it is to grow a business. How do you find the time to set aside so you are creating the space for a better lifestyle and not just chasing the money? Yeah, well, you, so you bring up a, real, a couple of really good points there. The first one is, making sure that your priority is your priority. You know, what far too many people do, like when they do those time audits, we review them afterwards and it's like, well, I spent all this time checking email. Well, that's somebody else dictating their priorities on you rather than you dictating your own, you know, or they're, they're doing, they're spending the time in the wrong activities based on the stage of their business. So for example, when somebody is just starting a business, they might look at you and I who both have podcasts and be like, oh, Clive and Tom have podcasts they're successful with business coaching. I want to be a business coach. Let me start a podcast. Well, here's the challenge. A podcast is a long-term marketing strategy for you. It's not a short-term, I'm immediately going to get clients from it. So if somebody is early on and their problem is I need to get more clients, but they're trying to start a podcast, they're actually diverting their attention away from what they should be doing, which is truly understanding who they're going to work with, where those people are, the problems they have, the solutions they can help them with, and they're spending it on creating a podcast, which doesn't help them. Now, when somebody gets later on into business and they're expanding their marketing and they've been able to build systems and teams and whatever else, now they can do things like start a podcast. But far too many people are doing the wrong activities at the wrong stage of business. Yeah, yeah. And if you're anything like me, when I first started out, you just try and do everything. You do everything (laughs) badly and you fail miserably. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Well, I think that's our, that's our natural nature as entrepreneurs is we see opportunities everywhere and we're sometimes our worst enemy because we keep saying yes to everything, which doesn't allow us to focus and actually move one thing forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was interesting what you said about doing the right things at the right time and that you're quite right. Podcasting is a long-term game if you're looking to use that to grow your business as is many other different strategies. And there are some things that, you know, will create immediate cash for you a lot quicker because nothing is guaranteed in life, but there are some things that will give you a quicker return of investment. And so it seems to me that one of the things, particularly if you're in the early stages of business, is about knowing what are those things that are going to get your return of investment quickly. And it's about knowing what things to do at what stage in your business. And I really want to dive into this with you. Before we do that, because you talked about what freedom is, and you said that freedom is about working out what the right things are that you want. It's about the experiences you want to create in your life, the relationships you want to have, and the impact. How do you know when you've got true freedom in your life? 
That's a really good question. You know, I think a lot of us, and it's funny, it's actually a challenge when it comes because as entrepreneurs, we've been just working hard and grinding for so long because most of us um, have a job, you know, like, you know, for me, I had a wife and then we had kids. So we had a lot going on. And when you get to that point where I, I think like for me and what I see with a lot of people is you kind of wake up one day and you look around and you're like, holy crap, like I've achieved a lot. And I know like for me, what often will happen is, you know, on like Facebook, it'll pop up and say, you know, uh, here was a memory from seven years ago. And like for me, one of the memories was I used to, when we had our real estate business, we bought the first property and we did all of the work. So I would work my corporate job during the, the week and then I would work on the real estate on the weekend. And one of the photos popped up and it was me tearing off this roof. And I don't know if you've ever tore a roof off a house before. It is hard work. And so I looked back and I was like, seven years ago on this day, I was tearing a house off or a roof off a house. And now I've got a team that does all of that work and I don't have to tear roofs off houses anymore. So like for me, that was a moment where I was like, you know what, all that hard work we put in now allows me to be spending uh, time with my kids at the museum and doing the things that we had put on that list of what we had in our ideal life. So we had been tracking it along the way, but I think sometimes it's just a moment like that where you realize how far you've come and then you're like, wow, like I've made it. So maybe then it's about gaining the perspective by looking back because when we're yeah. in a moment, we're always thinking about what's next, what's next. And I think that is part of the human condition to think, how do I go forward from here? What's the next challenge? What do I need to overcome now? What's the expression about um, stopping to smell the roses? We have to look back to realize where we've come. And, and that is such an important point because one of the things like we're huge on um, like our schedule and our meetings. So my wife and I have a daily meeting to kind of sync up on the day. We have a weekly meeting. We have a monthly meeting. We have a quarterly meeting. So we have all these meetings, but the format of all the meetings is pretty much the same. We're going to reflect back on, let's say the last week, like what went well and what challenges came up because we want to acknowledge the things we did well, but we also want to acknowledge the challenges or issues that are in front of us. And then what we can do from there is say, now that we've reflected, let's use the lessons we've learned to then plan the upcoming time period. And let's look at what improvements we can make so that we have more wins and less issues. And if you get into that mindset where you're constantly learning from the past and then applying that to what you do next, you're going to continuously optimize your business and ultimately optimize your life because you're making things better and better every week. Okay. I like this. I like this. So um, I don't know if I've captured three or four things there, but let's just quickly go through them again. So what you're advocating, well, certainly what's working for you is, was it daily, weekly, monthly meetings, quarterly? Yep. So we got daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. Okay. So whole range there. <laughs> and, and it's fundamentally about what's gone well today, this week, wherever. So that'd be the first thing. What have the challenges been? What lessons can we learn in order to plan for the future? What was the full thing? Or, or and then taking plan? all of that and planning the next things we do based on that. Yeah, yeah, I like that because you could just put it down as a very simple agenda. Use it every every day. And it's, it's interesting as well that you work at home with your, your, your home base. Is that right? Yep, home base. Yeah. Yep, your home base with your wife. Same as me, actually. You know, we both work from home. We both run our coaching practices from home. It's like part of what we set out to do, so we can spend more time together. And it kind of seemed a bit odd for me when I was at home and having meetings with Julie 
<laughs> rather than out at a business meeting having meetings with professional people. But you are professional people because you're both running businesses. And okay, you see each other all the time, but it's a kind of different capacity there, isn't it? You're stepping into your role as as an entrepreneur right there and then and taking that focus there. Absolutely. And and it's funny because when I was in corporate, a lot of the consulting I would do was, you know, really in the IT space. So I would help teams um, develop new software programs. I would help them work together. And a lot of what I would do was based on like lean and agile principles. So what we would do is we'd run these like two week sprints. We'd have a daily meeting with all the team members just to sync up on what they were doing. And at the end of two weeks, we would retrospect and then we would plan. So what I ended up doing was taking a lot of what I was doing with businesses that really helped them. And I brought it home and said, hey, let's start just syncing up so that we're on the same page. And so we started doing that with both our business and our lives. And it just kind of became second nature for us. But when we explained it to other people, they're like, oh my gosh, that would be like game changing for us if we were able to have that level of communication and understanding. And so as we started kind of sharing this out with other people, people realize that it's not just about the business. It's about looking at our business and our life and learning from them and then planning going forward to make sure that they're both supporting each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's nice to hear how you walk the talk, just not just talk it here. I think how you communicate is, is everything if you want to get some business done. I want to come back to what we were saying earlier is that, uh, how there's different stages in business and, and what we need to focus in order to create freedom. Can you start us off on that, Tom? Yeah. So what I look at is every stage of business essentially has a problem that we're trying to solve and then key actions that we've got to take or things we've got to focus on to solve that problem. So for example, let's start at the very beginning. When you're just starting a business, your problem is that you don't have a validated business model, which means that you haven't figured out who are you serving and how are you serving them? Where are you finding them? And putting all the pieces together to ultimately prove that model, which means people are going to give you money for whatever you're offering. So early on, your time should be spent on brainstorming what kind of business you think you should start, identifying who it is that you're going to help and really getting in to understand those people, which oftentimes comes from having conversations with them. Then figuring out, okay, well, what is the solution that I think I can offer to them? And ultimately bringing those two together. And usually it doesn't work the first time because the assumptions we have for what's going to make a great business, usually there's flaws in that, right? The, the person we think we're going to work with is a little bit different or the top problem that they're facing isn't what we thought it would be. Mm. But once we figure that out and we're asking them questions and we're asking them to buy and they say no and we say, well, why not? And they say, well, it needs to have this. And you put that in there. When you finally get all these pieces working together, you're going to start getting your first set of sales. So yes. now you've initially proven the business model, but you've got to make sure that the first like one sale wasn't just your mom and a fluke. It was, okay, multiple people can buy. So once you start getting people to buy, you know, they're really going to be called your early adopters. Now you shift away from developing your products, improving the model, and you shift more into, can I continue getting sales? Right? So now you shift more from like the operations piece and more into the selling piece. You want to really nail down where are you getting these people from? Like, what is your sales message? How do you walk them through their journey so they can make a decision on purchasing from you, right? So you're going to basically graduate from that first stage. And now you're going to get into the second stage where you're really going to focus on increasing sales, which will then kind of move you along your business journey. Sure, sure. That's really good, actually. One of the things that I often talk about is how 
the early stage of business is about getting proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're quite right, is that we think we know what people need. And most, it's mostly about what we want to provide rather than what we think people need. We just think, well, I'd like to do this. And so we set out to do it. And, you know, that was me. And then you realize that actually nobody's buying that or, you know, the market's different as to what you thought. So I think that you're quite right. The first thing is get proof of concept. Work out if anybody will buy it, why they'll buy it. And the thing is, if you can sell something once, it's likelihood that you can sell it again. You're probably right. You, you want to focus there rather than just go out and try and chuck a load of money at it and create a lot of traffic to something that's dead in the water. A lot of people quote about the, the main reason businesses fail is cash flow. Uh, as it turns out, the main reason businesses fail is not providing service people want. Well, and, and you know, part of this too is when you're first looking at people, there's this thing that it seems like everybody misses over, which is the customer journey. And it basically says, you know, what, what journey, what process does a potential customer go through before they buy from you or anyone else? And one of the things that I like to focus on when you're testing your proof of concept, you're not starting way back at the beginning of the customer journey, which is they don't realize they have a problem and you're educating them on that. But that's where a lot of people start, you know, so they go and like create blog posts or they, they create a bunch of content where what you want to do is you want to short or focus on the shortest path to get a customer, which is you want to go and find the people that are already aware that they have a problem. And this is a big enough problem that they're willing to invest. They're just looking for the right solution. Because in that point, it doesn't take long to take them from where they're at to a paying customer. Once you've proven out that short journey and you've got kind of customers coming in there, now you can go to the middle journey. And these are people that are aware of their problem, but now they're doing some research to figure out what the best solutions are. So now if you know where those people are looking, like if, are they going to go to YouTube? Are they going to go to Google? Now you can start putting the right message to them at that time, nurture them through their middle journey. And now you've already got the short journey working. So you know, your sales process works. So now you're taking these people you're nurturing and you know, you'll be able to sell them. And then eventually you're going to go out to that long journey. The people that are cold that don't know they have a problem because it's going to take more nurturing to get them in. But what a lot of people do is they start with the coldest people at the very beginning. And then they're frustrated when they can never make any sales because they don't know how to nurture them through the process. Oh, yes. Sitting here listening to you say that, I'm just thinking, yeah, that was, that's one thing I did wrong. <laughs> but that's where I went wrong. I, I think we all do, you know? <laughs> you know, we, we don't know. We, we look at the people that are successful, which I always recommend people do. But you got to realize that they're successful and they're maybe at stage five of the journey and you're at stage one. So you don't want to emulate what they're doing now. You want to emulate what they did at stage one because that's what you've got to be focused on. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it comes to mind is that maybe six, seven years ago, I did my NLP diploma. And one of the things that we learned about was modeling, which is all about just looking at what successful people are doing, reverse engineering it, and then implementing that itself. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's probably where I made a lot of mistakes was going out modeling people who are way, way more successful and further down the road than I was. And of course, they're doing stuff that you're just not ready for and I wasn't ready for. And so, yeah, that's why blog posts and things like that, you know, they are great. There's lots of reasons to do that, but they're not necessarily the, the first things to think about. So just to help us really get this in our heads here, can you walk us through an example about how you can take one business, get this proof of concept, and then walk it through from hot audiences to cold audiences? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll just kind of take like how we started the coaching business. So 
I was working actually uh, as a consultant for these Fortune 500 companies. And I was initially focused on helping them launch their products, then improving team productivity, then business leadership and strategy. So that was my expertise. And when my wife and I looked at what we wanted our lives to look like, it wasn't me traveling four to five days a week to other cities. So we said, we've got to make a change. And so we said, well, what kind of skills do we have that we, we can maybe apply into another business? Because we already had our first two. And so we said, well, let's take what we're doing with entrepreneurs because we have people reaching out to us asking for some support on that. So we said, all right, let's make a list of 50 potential entrepreneurs that we can talk to and just understand what, are they, what problems are they facing? What does their world look like? What are they looking for? So we either had coffee or got on the phone with like 50 different entrepreneurs and we got super clear on what they were looking for, what they needed. And so we went back to those people and said, hey, if, if we were to create a coaching program like this and it had these types of things and it helped you get this, would that be something that you would buy? And a whole bunch of people said no, but a couple of people said yes. And so for the people that said yes, they became our first coaching clients. So I didn't have to go and create blog posts or make webinars or any of that stuff. I just found people that I thought I could help. I listened to them and then we, we brought together a solution that helped them. And even for all the people that said no, I asked one very important question. I said, well, why not? And they told me, you know, either they, they weren't the ideal customer I thought they were, or they weren't, it wasn't a big enough pain yet. They had to go another six months to where the pain was big enough for them to want to solve. Or the solution was missing something. So even the people that said no gave us so much valuable feedback to create the right product. And then from there, when we started working with people, we now had real life experiences. We could, mod, we could figure out our, our processes, what systems worked, what didn't. And then most importantly, when we got them results, we got testimonials. So now when I'm going to the people that are researching and they're not the hot audience, I could say, hey, here's our process. Here's the, who we work with and how we help them and the problems they're facing. And oh, by the way, here's what we've helped other people do. So yes. now and someone that's on the fence, they're going to be more likely to work with you. And you continue building it out that way, but it all starts with getting that first customer and then doing everything you can to get them results. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a danger of being all about the numbers when you first start out. And really what it's about is all about a success when you first start out, because it's that success, that case story, that story about the result you've got for a client that you can leverage to get more clients down the road. Yeah, well, you know, and, and to that point, a lot of people, when I tell them this, <laughs> they don't listen because they're like, well, Tom, that doesn't scale. This person over here said, I can just make a webinar and run Facebook ads to it and everything will be good. I can't tell you how many people I've seen spend $5,000, $10,000 in Facebook ads in all these different tools and everything else and not get a single customer because they weren't willing to talk to people, do the stuff that maybe isn't sexy, but ultimately is going to allow them to understand their customer better than anyone else and then serve them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things that come up when you was talking actually that I thought were worth pulling out. You said that when you went out and you was doing your research, you were speaking to people and saying, what is it you want? What can we help you with? If we were going to create a perfect program for you, what would it include? That kind of thing. And you said a lot of people said no. And I know that there is the temptation when that happens is that you can then go into a spin and you then start thinking, oh, hang on a minute, am I doing the wrong thing? Maybe I, maybe I should run a different type of business. Maybe I should be a web designer. What about like, interior decorating? And we can kind of lose track of our goal or we, or we make judgments too soon that 
this is something that doesn't have legs and won't work. And worse still is that we start questioning our own individual worth. And, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, you know, what can you say to that? Yeah, so first thing, part of it's the right mindset going in. So when you're just getting started, your goal isn't necessarily to make money. That's going to be a byproduct of it. Your goal early on in the mindset you want to have is you just want to be curious. You want to ask questions. And like a lot of people are afraid of sales, especially early on. And even when I have people go on their first couple of calls, they're, they're nervous. And I'm like, listen, you don't have anything to sell. So don't be nervous about selling them because you don't even have anything. I said, all you're doing is having a conversation and you're asking them questions. And guess what? Most people are going to appreciate that because everyone is so fast and like, you know, so um, not focused these days that when you legit have a conversation and you're asking somebody about what they do and what they're struggling with, if they're truly struggling with it, they're going to really appreciate that conversation. Mm. You know, and the second part of that is when you're having these conversations with people, you've got to realize that it's, it's a numbers game and it's not a numbers game for like, you just got to talk to this many people and then you'll get people to buy. It's just like in science class, you're going to put a hypothesis out there. I think if I talk to 10 people, I'll be able to clarify what the problem is. And I think this is the problem. And then you go out and talk to 10 people and then you evaluate your results and you say, I thought it was going to be this. Was it this? If so, I'm on the right track. Let me do more of that. But if not, I got to change my hypothesis. I know this one didn't work just like Edison with the light bulb, right? I know this one didn't work. Let me try another one. And you almost have to appreciate the beginning of your journey because that builds up the character you need to be successful later on because you're only successful if you can learn to grow, if you can learn to commit, if you can learn to overcome challenges. And that's what so many people, especially like with online businesses these days, what so many people miss because the barrier to entry is so low that it's so easy to get started. But what it doesn't force you to do is to commit to the journey and what you need to do to ultimately achieve that life and that freedom that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good attitude to take on there is that this is all about building a character. And uh, yes, you're going to hear a lot of those. You're going to hear a, a lot of feedback that perhaps you don't want to hear because we all like to think that our ideas are, are brilliant and we just want validating on those ideas. But actually, yes, that's what's going to help you build character because you get a lot of those as you go along. But mostly, it's also going to help you get the data and the research and the information so you can create the products and services that people will love to buy and they will stay with you for a long time. It also brings to mind with... I kind of I really want to highlight this actually because you this whole thing about doing the research. There's a lot of people who I speak to and they, they know they should do the research, but they don't do it. They've heard that you've got to do your market research. And I think sometimes it's because they don't know how and, and that's one issue. And the other is that it's a lot of work. Back in December, I was doing the same thing. And I'd like to think I'm a little bit further down the road, but I went back to basics because five years ago I used to run a business boot camp. This year, I'll be resurrecting that at some stage. And I'm going to go out and say, okay, if I was going to create the best boot camp and the best experience for you to get results quickly in your business, what would that include? What would that be like? You know, I'm thinking about doing this. And going out and getting some real research and some real feedback was one of the most valuable things I've ever done in my business. And so whether you were just started out or whether you're way down the road, I think this is a brilliant exercise to go and do. 
you know, I, I love hearing that because that's the other thing I hear is like, um, you know, I work with entrepreneurs, usually they're, they're further along their journey, but I do work with some new ones, but a lot of entrepreneurs, they've had success launching like one product or service. And maybe they even take that service to like a million dollar business. And then they go to launch a second one and they think they can skip over all the initial stuff and you can't. When you go to launch a new product or service, you're basically starting back at square one. Now, hopefully you're launching it to the existing customer base and it's going to be a lot easier because you have customers paying you and you can get research from them, but you can't skip over those steps. And I find so many entrepreneurs doing that when they, they have success with the first product and then their second product just flops because they got disconnected from their customer and they didn't stay in touch. You know, and you can see this with small entrepreneurs. You can see it with big companies like Kodak, right? They had the market on like film and then digital cameras came and they weren't staying connected with the customer in their market and they lost it. So one of the most important things as we grow is to always stay connected. Like I'm always asking existing customers, previous customers, potential customers questions. I want to get in their mind. I want to know how they're thinking, you know, what's going on because the better I know them, the better I understand them, the better I can serve them. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing happens as well with blockbusters and Netflix, isn't it? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and uh, just a huge mistake. But yeah, lots to learn there, lots to learn there. And that's focusing very much on that first, those early stages in business. But, you know, as I pointed out, actually it's a great thing to go back to anytime you're looking to bring in a new product, new service. If you're starting out business, it's, it really is about working out what it is that people want, do the research, don't be concerned with money immediately, be concerned with learning. Like, go with a beginner's mindset. The next stage he said is, okay, if we know what people want, we've now got to go out and find out how to sell it and to sell it really well. Can you talk us through how we can go and do that? Absolutely. So at this stage, what you're really doing is honing in, you know, because when you got those first couple of sales, like let's say you close somebody on a call, you were probably fumbling through it. You were probably asking the wrong questions and you really didn't have a process down to help them through the journey. Because, you know, a lot of selling, like a lot of times people hear sales and they think of like the sleazy car salesman. And that's not the way I approach it at all. The way I look at sales is my job, like it's, um, it's called consultative selling. My job is to consult and help you get clarity on what's going on in your life what's important to you and whether you want to solve it or not. And then the best option for you for that. So when I'm working with somebody and, and part of what you're doing in this stage is you're really figuring out your sales process and your sales messaging. And what, what a lot of people, what trips a lot of people up is you're not always trying to get people to say yes. You're trying to get the right people to say yes. And so when you're, you know, walking people through that sales process, you're trying to figure out what are the criteria? what are the triggers that say, this is going to be a really good customer for us and I want them to come in and this person isn't going to be a good customer and I want it to filter them out. And as you do that and you start pulling more and more people in, that's where you then also shift into marketing because now you're not just using that short journey, you're using the medium one. So now you're looking at, okay, before people know they're ready, where do they do research? Right? So you want to get out in front of them wherever they're doing research and you want to understand what are they researching and what information do they need to see in order to move them closer to being able to make a purchase. So you're kind of building out your sales and marketing process and pipeline at the same time. And this is going to be an ongoing thing. You want to figure out where is your time best spent and you want to start getting things off of your plate. 
because this is a place where a lot of people can get stuck and they trade their corporate job for a self-imposed job where they don't make nearly as much money because they're doing everything themselves. So this might start with just getting a virtual assistant or an executive assistant to take those five, 10, $20 tasks off your plate because now you can then focus on more of the $40 or $50 tasks. And then you get those off your plate and now you focus on the $100 task and you're gonna consistently get things off of your plate either through optimizing the process, utilizing technology or delegating to a person so that you can focus on your zone of genius and growing the business rather than being involved in every piece of executing the business. Yeah, I love that. It's good to hear you bring that bit in at the end there because up to this stage here, all we've done is got ourselves busy. Uh, and that's great to you know, feel like that you're making money, you're seeing clients and it, it kind of makes you feel that you're being successful. But then when you look at numbers and you realize that, hey, I'm not making as much or possibly maybe even breaking even with what I did before, but I'm working way more hours than I ever used to. And there's way more riding on me getting this right. Totally with me, I used to work at Breast County Council, um, 40,000 staff there. And no way was I responsible for everything. You know, I had a reasonably responsible job. I ran the uh, corporate loan development department, but um, it was... Uh, all the HR, the, the, the money, there's so many things done for me, you know, not to mention marketing and sales, which I've never even thought about before. So you, you've got to find a way of shifting it. But the, the question is, how do you know that you're ready to shift something from you onto somebody else? Something I don't think we talked about yet um, that I think is often missed. When you're figuring out what you want your life to look like and what you want your, your freedom to look like, we have people define two numbers. One number is a freedom number. This is how much you need to be paying yourself from your business to be able to leave your job. So that's basically saying, how do I replace my income with income from my business? So that's really the first milestone we want to get to. And that helps us understand how big of a business we need to build in order to do that. The second number we have people define is what we call their dream number. And this is everything that you listed out that you want to do, the impact, the experiences, the relationships. How much is that going to cost you a month? Yeah. And once you know what that number is, now you can reverse engineer it and say, I've got to build a half a million dollar business or I got to build a $5 million business in order to make that a reality. So once we know the life we want and approximately the size of business we want, what we can do is build a roadmap that every 90 days lets us move towards both our life vision and our business vision. So by doing that, we're going to have a path laid out for how we're going to grow and at each point along the way, um, one of the questions we have all of our, our clients ask every single week is, what is one thing that I need to get off my plate and how do I get it off? We ask that from even the very first week because what it does, even when it's just you and you don't have clients yet, it gets you into the habit and the thought process of saying, how do I make things a little bit better and how do I get things off my plate? And it might be as simple as, I have too many emails, I have to go unsubscribe. Well, guess what? I just saved some time because I'm not checking email as much. Or it might be, hey, I find myself doing this task over and over again. Can I use Zapier or something to automate that task so I don't have to do it? So if you get into that mindset, as you're growing your business, it's gonna be a natural part of what you do. And you're gonna see that you're gonna shift into the next phase because you've basically solved the problem of the second phase. So for example, the second phase, we're looking on ramping up sales. Once we've got sales and let's say, you know, you're getting to like a six figure business at this point. And that's just a benchmark, every business is different. 
But now you're to the point where you're probably running out of time, right? You're spending your time either on marketing and sales or operations where you're actually delivering your product or service. So now you get to the point where you say, I've got to start removing myself from some of the execution part of the business, which is sales, marketing, operations, and finance. And I need to get other people and other things doing that. Because ultimately, we want to be focused, like uh, most people have read uh, The E-Myth Revisited. We want to focus on the business. So we want to focus on doing the strategy and the big picture things. And we want to remove ourselves from the technician role and being in the business. So we want to start saying, who can I put in to do this piece so that I'm not doing it? And like one of the big things we've always done is said, this is what the business needs to look like for us to be able to leave for a couple of weeks and it still runs. And then we just work on putting pieces in place every 90 days to make that a reality. Yeah, yeah. I love that because you're not necessarily starting with who you're going to hire. Yes, a virtual assistant, a bookkeeper, you know, people like that, they can save you a lot of time and take some things off your plate. But you can start small and that might be as something as simple as going and mass unsubscribing with, you know, using tools like unsubscribe me or was it unroll me? Unroll me, yep. Unroll me. There are tools out there that you can mass unsubscribe. And there's other things that you can do is you often think, you know, if you're writing an email and you find that you're writing that same email multiple times, that is a surefire signal that you need to create a template or find some other way to automate it. So, you know, there are things that you can do to start. And then one thing that I discovered is that even if you can't afford to hire someone out, identifying who you need is the first step. And that's one of the things that I did, you know, I did it for the podcast here, is that currently I do the editing for the podcast mainly because I enjoy it and because for me, this is very much a discovery sort of journey. I'm kind of learning more about the whole process. But somewhere down the line, I want people doing that for me because I don't want to be doing this forever. Right now, I'm not ready to do that, but I have worked out who needs to do it and how that will be. And so right now, my mind is open to different opportunities. Unless you've identified where those opportunities are, it's difficult to find the opportunities. Absolutely. And you make such a great point. So we're huge on putting systems and processes in place. And for most people, they hear that and they get overwhelmed. They're like, well, I don't even have time to do my own stuff. How am I going to put a process in place? We, we give people a very simple process for your process. And essentially every week when you, you find one issue or one thing that caused you a headache the last week, you create a very simple process for it. And here's what you do. You say, what was the trigger? What started this thing from to, to happen? And then what was the end result? When did that thing finish? And then you identify three to five major steps that had to happen to go from the trigger to the end result. And what you've just done in the course of five or 10 minutes is you've created a process. Now, next time that thing happens, you're going to be able to follow your process and fill in some details. And then what you're going to do now that you've got a process there, you're going to find pieces that work and pieces that don't work. So we're going to work on optimizing the process. We're going to say, what is wasteful that doesn't need to be there? And the process will still work. We're going to look at automating the process. Is there a tool or something that can come in and take a piece of this for me? So for example, if like, we'll take your podcast example. If you're um, scheduling it on social media, you might start out manually doing it, but one small improvement you can make is to go and get a free tool that will allow you to schedule on your different platforms. Mm. It may seem like a small thing, but if you make one process improvement every single week, over the course of the year, you've made at least 52 improvements, which are going to give you a ton of time back and really allow you to focus on the key things in your business. 
And oftentimes a tool is a lot cheaper than a person. So we have tools do so much work in our business before we ever hire and delegate to somebody. Sure, sure. Actually, that's really interesting because it made me think. Sometimes people ask me about, like, you know, what's the, what's the big picture? What do I need to do? Give me a, a, you know, a business plan. Give, you know, give me an outline of how I take my business forward. And it's not for me necessarily to say you've got to do this in your business. But, you know, sometimes when we talk this through, what we tend to find is that by looking at everything you need to do and kind of mapping it out, all that does is it creates, it creates overwhelm. But by simply looking at one thing that is causing you grief right now, that's eating up your time, and looking to kind of reverse like, engineering that into a process and then doing something about it by just doing one thing at a time, that's how you build a big business. You know, and, and of course, as you go on, as you, as you start to build resources around you, you can start planning and thinking a little bit further ahead. But you, it can be just as simple as what's the trigger right now and what's the end result? Let's work it into a process. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too. Like a lot of people, even if you don't like building processes, one, this isn't like a heavy way you're going to create a 50 page process. You can do this on a single page of paper or like we'll have a lot of people that will use a tool like Trello or Asana. You can create a process in there and then every time you go to do it, it's repeatable. And so like the other thing with this is when you're creating a process to solve whatever just caused you an issue or gave you a headache, next week you're going to have less headaches and you're going to get addicted to having less headaches. It's not to say they're going to go away, but if you're immediately resolving that issue in the following week, you don't have that issue coming up over and over and over again, causing you to, you know, you talked about burnout at the beginning, causing you to start to hate your business, to start to not want to do things and be on that path to burnout because everything just keeps breaking and it doesn't seem like anything's working and you're not getting ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things you have to watch out for here is that you're not constantly reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I keep what I call an operations manual, which is just a list of systems that I do. And you know, it's not very well written down or anything. It's, it's not sort of, it doesn't look beautiful, but it is a simple sheet of paper. We say, this is the process, map it out. And that means that if I forget, because I haven't done it for a few weeks, I can go back and look it up. And also if I've got, if I want to give it to a virtual assistant or somebody else to do it for me, I can just give them that sheet of paper. And it's enough there for them to understand. But I'm yeah. also not making an onerous task out of it. Absolutely. And a key, and you know, you bring up a great point there. One of the challenges I find when entrepreneurs go from a solopreneur to their first hire is they always tell me like, Tom, I, I'm the only one that can do this. Like there's no way I can get this off my plate. Usually it's because all of the knowledge, the process is mapped up in their head and they don't understand it well enough to be able to explain it to somebody else. So by doing what you're doing and just making a simple process, it now gets it out of your head. You start to make it repeatable and then it becomes so much easier to delegate that because now you understand it where most times people can't explain the process to me when it's in their head. Yeah, sure, sure. Einstein is often attributed to saying something to the effect of if you can't explain something well enough to a 12-year-old, you don't fully understand yourself. Yep. Um, So yeah, love the concept. Excellent. Okay, the process is you start with proof of concept. You do your market research and find out what people want. The next step is to optimize your sales. And you mentioned consultative selling. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so a lot of people go into a sales call or a sales process really looking at like what's in it for me. Like I want to close the sale. Whereas consultative selling is basically saying, 
my goal, like let's say we were on a call, my goal would be to help you get clarity and then make a decision at the end of it. Because here's the problem most people have. They, they're on a call or maybe they're, they're trying to sell something and they don't help that person get enough clarity to make a decision. And what ends up happening is that that person sits in limbo. They don't know enough of what they need to be able to make a purchase, but they also don't necessarily leave. So now you build, like if you've got a sales pipeline, you've got all these people that are maybe going to buy but they're blocking the people that are actually going to buy. So consultative selling really comes down to my goal here is to see if, you know, us working together is a good fit. And if it's not, I want to have enough clarity so that I can then guide you on maybe another person to work with or what else you're looking for to solve your problem. Because the way that like we look at things is we truly care about the people we're trying to help and we want them to solve their solution, even if it's not with us. Yeah. And ironically, because we take that approach, we end up closing a lot more sales because people see that we care about them and they're not just another number. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's, that's one of the things that most of us really want is that we want to feel that we're understood and that we're cared about. And that, you know, when we feel that we've got that in someone, it's, it's then gone from purely transactional relationship to one about people who genuinely care about each other and who want to work together. So... I love that. I love that. So consultative selling, that would be stage two is to, as part of optimizing sales. And then you, you know, say it's also about building the systems and the structures and the human resources around you to start to get things off your plate. My next question is, okay, I'm starting to get things off my plate. Maybe I've got a few people around me who are helping out. Maybe like someone working in my business, maybe I'm outsourcing some stuff. How do I now go and truly scale my business? Yep. So the key thing is you're really doing more of what you've already done. Because if we review what we've done at this point, we've proved our product, we proved that we can sell it. We've started selling more of it and we started building out more of our marketing. So we're going to continue on that. The key thing is who does the work. And when you start scaling, you're going to start hiring in other people to do the work. So what we look at is most business owners are more visionary, right? We like working on the business. We like growing it. And the next part of scaling is really getting you more into that role and less into the day to day. And going back to your initial question, you know, can you truly achieve freedom as an entrepreneur? You can't until you get the day to day execution of your business off of your plate. Because as long as you're still involved in the day to day, you can't step away or you can't take a vacation because there's going to be a bottleneck in your business and something isn't going to work that's going to pull you back in. So this stage of scaling is truly saying, all right, who are the, like, I now know what to do. The real question is, who are the right people to bring in? And then how do I shift my role from a doer or a technician to a coach and leading and guiding my team towards the vision that we're trying to do and supporting them and helping them grow as individuals as well? Sure, sure. Love that. I've got a couple of final questions that I want to share with you, Tom. Before we do, people are going to want to connect with you. I'm sure they will. Uh, it's been so valuable what you shared today. How do people get hold of you? Yeah, so uh, main place to find us is our website, which is tomandariana.com. And that's got our book, our podcast, kind of everything we got going on. Yeah. When does your book come out? Uh, it'll be on Amazon in July and bookstores in October. Okay, so looking forward to hearing that hit the number one list. Absolutely. <laughs> I know you're going to go for it. Uh, and yeah, definitely do check out Tom's uh, podcast. 
what I'll do is I'll make sure that we put all of the links um, that uh, Tom's mentioned there today and, and anything else we've mentioned as well, like uh, E-Myth Revisited and things like that, I'll make sure we put those on the show notes page. The link for that is getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 49. Uh, but right now, Tom, I want to come back to you with my final question. Given that there's all this to do right now, where do you think people go wrong most? I think the biggest thing is they they don't spend their resources in the most optimal way. You know, and what I mean by that is we all have a certain amount of time, a certain amount of money, and a certain amount of energy. And usually when we fall off, there's a disconnect between where we're trying to go and the activities that we're doing to get us there. So like earlier, I talked about all the different meetings we have. One of the key meetings that we have is a 90-day goal planning session. And what we do is we revisit our goals. We look at where we're trying to go long-term, and then we set specific goals and plans for the next 90 days. And by doing that, it then lets us to execute within those 90 days and make sure we're doing the right things, but also kind of, you know, get our heads up above water and say, am I on track? Am I doing the right things to get me where I need to go? And if not, right, we said we're going to reflect and we're going to learn, but then we're going to plan. And by doing that, even if we get off track, we'll get back on. But the people that struggle are the ones that never do that. And they just keep hustling. They just keep grinding. They're like, well, if I just put in more time, I'll make this work. But you really want to be able to look back and say, what's working, what's not. And then let me make smart adjustments to my business so that I'm on the right track to get to where I want to be. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's so much talk about hustle at the moment. And and of course, Gary Vaynerchuk has really led that movement. And, and in so many ways, I love it. But uh, maybe it is about picking up on that word there, smart. It's a, it's a smart hustle. It's not just about work, 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 because that's only ever going to keep you where you're at. You're, you know, if, if you're busy right now and you've got clients, that's going to keep you where you're at, but you won't grow. And so, yeah, I love your advice there. Every 90 days, sit down, have a look at where you're at in your business, where you've been, and decide what you're going to do to move forward. Tom, thank you so much for everything you shared today. I really appreciate it. It's been brilliant. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I mean, really good conversation. And, um, you know, I think we got into a lot of the, the things that people really get, you know, caught up on. And uh, it's good to hear other people that are understanding this and doing this as well. So thank you for the show and thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. It's awesome, Tom. For those of you listening right now, I want to encourage you to go out there and do something with this. There's been some real gems there shared by Tom, and I think a great place to start is, Tom mentioned it right at the start of the episode, is to go back and do a, a, an audit on what it is that you want. So just going over that again, to help us out here, Tom, it was one of the things you want in your life, one of the experiences relationships and impact. Is that right? Yep. And what I can actually do if it'll help is we have a two page planner that walks through that as well as then building the roadmap and some of the other pieces. Uh, I can send you a copy of that or you can share with your audience. Oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Excellent. And we'll, we'll make sure that we put a link to that up on the show notes page. Again, get real about business.com forward slash 46. Thank you again, Tom. And thank you uh, to you for listening. We'll be back next time with some more great tips on how you grow your business. Until then, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.